Welcome to the Growth Hacking Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ivan Palomino. This podcast is about thought-provoking ideas to scale up and growth hack performing and human-centric work cultures. My guests are experts on mindsets, skills, and science behind work cultures. I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm super excited. The first, the main reason, in fact, is that we are going to be discussing about leadership. And uh, and the reason is that because of the times that we're living today, um, there has been a lot of redefinition about leadership. Uh, and it was necessary. So in the last years, many leaders had to evolve to be more empathetic and more agile. And as it wasn't enough, I heard about Rajiv talking about the next step of the evolution of leadership to be a leadership that is enlightened. And today we're going to be discussing with Rajiv Kapoor, who is currently the president and CEO of 1105 Media. Um, he had a very interesting experience uh, in more than 20 countries around, uh, around the world, mainly in the tech industry, uh, he is. He has been really booming in terms of leadership in, in sales, in marketing, and he is a writer. He wrote approximately two years ago a book called uh, "Chase Greatness: Enlightened Leadership for the Next Generation of Disruption." Um, and and the good news is that today we are going to be discussing about the next book that is just just coming out, which is AI Made Simple. We are going to be discuss. We are going to be discussing also about the topic about do we really, really need to know as a leader everything possible, embrace change, and get to know about everything uh, on innovation. Rajiv, welcome uh, today, and I would like to understand how did you end up progressing in different leadership positions and suddenly realizing that you needed to put your mark and start something on your own. If I understood correctly, your current uh, work as a CEO of 1105 Media, uh, it is something that uh, that you are currently working as, a, as an entrepreneur. Tell me a little bit more about your uh, your experience. So first, Ivan, it's, it's, it's nice to meet you. And, uh, you know, we're having an international call here. You're in uh, Switzerland and I'm here in Southern California. So it's, it's, it's a pleasure to meet you and thank you for your time. And Thank you for the listeners who are, who are spending their time you know, listening to us talk. So look, the idea of leadership for me started at a very early age. I enjoyed the show. I, was not very, I love playing sports. I was not very good at it, but I but I really enjoyed leading teams. And I enjoyed learning from the coaches. And I enjoyed learning like how to create a play or whatever the case might be, what type of team we needed to have, what were the strengths, what were the weaknesses, those kinds of things. And so, so that's where I did. So that's where I found myself. And then from there, I just kind of naturally, you know, when I started working, I just found myself naturally gravitating toward management positions. And so very early on, I was very young. I got my first manager role when I was like 22 years old. And then, you know, and then it helped that um, I got recruited to go work at Dell Computer. And I went to Dell Computer when I was pretty young and and I worked directly for Michael for a little while. And I just kind of grew within Dell. And I kind of knew early on that I wanted to be the CEO one day of a company. And, um, and I had a goal that before I turned 40, I wanted to be the president of a company. And so I actually hit that. And so I was the president of an e-commerce company for, for some time. I had a, I had, um, and then I was CEO of an audio technology company. 
And then some private equity guys reached out to me and they needed some help with 1105 Media. And they asked me to come on board and to be, you know, the CEO here at 1105 Media. And so I've been doing that now for about nine years. And so during COVID is when I wrote the first book, Chase Greatness. And so it's done, and that book has done very well also. And it's about the future of leadership. Mm. Uh, Rajiv, tell me one thing. And, and this is very, I'm going to ask you a personal question because I, I feel related. Do you think that um, the the cultural background that we grow up with defines the type of ambitions that we have in life. Let me tell you, just in a, in a short sentence, for instance, in the case of my family coming from a Jewish family, the fact that I had to progress and be the best that, that to give myself 100% to work, it was almost defined by my upbringing with the type of family that I had, the surroundings. Was it the same for you? Look, I, I think it helps, right? And and I, it's better than it's better to have it than not have it. And in my case, you know, I was born and raised in the U.S., but my family's from India. And mm -hmm. if I followed what my parents wanted me to do, I would have been a doctor, right? But I'm not a doctor. And so, look, I just um, I I think fa family support and having a good family structure is always going to be helpful to to kids as they grow up. Uh, and I think it's important that. Um, that, that you understand you have supportive parents in, in that process. And so, and if you don't, and if you're struggling with that, and maybe you're a single family, a single parent home, then I'm sure that that parent should, will do everything they can to support you. And, and if you feel like you're not getting support, I will tell you that, you know, you have to deal with the adversity of, of that situation and be resilient. And you can do anything that you set your mind to go do. Anything is possible, anything. And you know, I, um, no one handed me anything. Like I, mm. I, I was, I, I was a B student in college. I really wasn't into college all that much, you know, but I worked hard and I always wanted to be the hardest worker. And so I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a good example of, I wasn't the smartest person. I was the hardest working person. And so that allowed me to move up and th that allowed me to, to accomplish all the things I've accomplished so far. And I hope to continue to accomplish more things. So focus on being the hardest worker, hold yourself accountable, and be very resilient in your life. Mm, I, I feel you completely. Um, I wanted to get back to the to the topic of uh, of today, which is how leaders can keep up with the change, uh, with change and disruption. So if, well, I wasn't already working, but I have been discussing with uh, in the in the in the nineties there was this buzzword that came into corporations talking about big pictures. And by the way, when I started working in the early 2000s, um, then I, I could still hear this word repeatedly being said by other leaders, people more senior than me. Um, and in your book, Chase Greatness, you write about enlightenment. So how is that different, this enlightenment versus this person who has the big picture, who understands, uh, who understands what is going on uh, in terms of business, and who gets to also understand to have a certain level of self-awareness uh, on on himself. How is that different? Here's the thing. <clears throat> you know, I grew up in a work in a corporate work culture of servant leadership, right? Mm. And you're familiar with servant leadership, right? Yep. Servant leadership is, Ivan, I work for you, right? I'm the CEO, but I work for you. I'm the leader of the team. I work for you. What tool do you need to be successful in your job? 
How can I support you in your job? What, what do you need to be successful? What I talk about is that over the next couple of years, the world is going to change dramatically. The majority of the workforce is going to be Gen Z, millennial, and for the first time, women will have a slight majority in the workforce, especially here in the U.S. And they require a different type of leadership. And I just, and I have coined that term, enlightened leadership. And to me, enlightened leadership is, it builds on the foundation of servant leadership. It says, hey, not only am I here to help you, support you within, within the company and help you in the company be successful, the question I have to ask is, how can I help you be successful outside the company? How can I help? How can I, how can I help you be successful outside the walls of the company? How can I help you live a better life outside the company? And that's really the goal of it, of enlightened leadership, and that's what I focus on. To do that, I had to make a big change a few years ago, and that big change I made was that my employees are my number one customer. Period. Hmm. I spend a lot of time on my employees, on everything from mental health to the right benefits, to making sure they have the best tools, to make sure they feel supported, to make sure we're recognizing them. So we do all those things because in my view, if I can keep my attrition rate down to almost zero, you know, that's going to retain people. You don't lose people. That's going to help my bottom line. If I can, if the more I can take care of my internal customer, they're going to do a really good job of taking care of the external customer. And so... <laughs> So we really lead from a place of respect and, you know, and real and focus on gratitude and it's working for us. It may not work for everybody, but it's working for my company. Uh, Rajiv, let me rephrase it so that to verify if I understood correctly. So while maybe the servant leadership, it was more about how can you become a better employee? The enlightened leadership would be how can you be a better person? How can you equip you for the whole thing? It's not, not only about being the, a good person at work, but also a good person outside. And a good person is the one who feels like happy with what they are, happy with the purpose that they are accomplishing at work or outside life. And being maybe also a little bit more of aware about where they stand, a little bit more mindful about the, uh, their own situation and their surroundings. Is that correct? Yeah, think about it, right? You know, technically, employees work eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. That's 16 hours a day, Monday through Friday, that they're not with you, and they're not with you on the weekends. Now, some employees might work from home or whatever. Some people work remote, whatever. The, the point of it is, is that people work a 40-hour work week, right? Sometimes there's challenges at home and those challenges at home can affect the, you know, you know, your work. So my goal through enlightened leadership is to do everything I can to be flexible, to allow my employee to understand that work is important, but so is your personal life. And so is your family life. Mm. Because if your personal life and family life are strong, that means your work life can, you, you have time for your work life as well to be strong. You know, if, um, if your work life is strong, um, but your challenge with your family, then eventually there might be an impact. So I just want to do everything I can to make you a better person, you know, in terms of being a great leader in the community, feel like you're a great leader in the company. And ultimately I want to do everything I can to support you in your personal life as your family life. And 
and I'm not, and I don't want to get into people's business, but I want to feel like they have the flexibility. They have, they have the time off they need that, 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 that they work for a company that is an understanding and respectful culture to where to give them the time they need in case there is a challenge outside the office. Hmm. I, I don't want to, to leave the definition of enlightened uh, leadership as an intention. Uh, I, I mean, I, I want, if we had to help someone to practice in a day-to-day -day this enlightenment, uh, how this person should be practicing in a day-to-day -day basis? How how do you train yourself to be to become that type of uh, that type of leader? In, and consider one thing, uh, Rajiv, is that, and I started with the, the fact that we have been quite demanding, and the role of the leader has been a transition for the last five years because the demands have changed drastically, and suddenly we spotted that the the model that we had of leadership had been staying the same for. 20, 30 years, and suddenly people are more demanding in terms of their well-being, in terms of, uh, of having a work that brings purpose. So, And the leader had to be reshaped a little bit. And now we are adding on top a new thing. Uh, so how can they start practicing and to become more enlightened? Look, th that's a good question. To me, there are five key attributes to enlightened leadership. Number one is practice gratitude every day. Whether it's gratitude for yourself, gratitude for your employees, whatever it might be, just practice gratitude. If you ask Satya Nadella, the CEO and Satya Nadella, the, the CEO of Microsoft, when he took over Microsoft, mm -hmm. they asked him, what was the one trait that allowed you to help turn around Microsoft? And he said it was gratitude. I agree with him 100%. The second thing, practice resiliency in your personal life and in your business life. There's always challenges. Be resilient. Don't give up. The, the third one is empathy. You have to have a lot of empathy in the leadership role now. There's a lot of challenges in the role. People are worried about everything from political issues to wars to climate change, whatever it might be, job losses, artificial intelligence, whatever it might be. People are challenged. So you want to be empathetic. You know, I grew up in a time where I was told that if I wanted to go talk to the CEO, I better come with three solutions. Well, what if you don't have three solutions? What do you do? You come up with two bullshit solutions or one or one bad solution, or you don't even go at all to the boss. Well, guess what? You're the boss for a reason. You're the reason why you're the boss is because you might have an experience. Think about COVID. When COVID happened, no one had any solutions. Indeed. So I realize, you know, that, you know, sometimes people just need to come and talk. Sometimes people just need help. Sometimes people, sometimes I have to be, you know, I just have to be someone they can bounce ideas off of. Maybe they're stuck. So really be empathetic in your listening. And then hold yourself and your team accountable to what the goals are going to be. Accountability is still really important. Make sure you have the right metrics in place and that everybody agrees to what the metrics are. You have the right key performance indicators, the KPIs in place. And then finally, be very transparent in your communication. Be direct. If you like something, tell yeah. them. If you don't like something, tell them. People, you know, people, These are big boys and girls. So if you feel like if you feel like something is not working, just be very honest and be direct. So those are the five pillars, gratitude, resilience, empathy, accountability, and transparency. If you take the first letter of those five words, what does it spell? Okay, wait a second. So gratitude, we started with gratitude. Gratitude, resilience, empathy, accountability, transparency. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. And that's the title of the book, Chase Greatness. 
So that that's so that that that's why it's called chase greatness. When you were mentioning the three first elements, I was thinking that uh, in fact that you were going in totally into this practice of mindfulness. In fact, because this is story about uh, gratitude, empathy, uh, and resilience is something that you can practice through a regular uh, a regular way of getting to to uh, to practice breathing exercises or a little bit of early meditation. Uh, it, it seems, did, did you get inspiration from that side, from the, the practice of mindfulness? Yeah, look, I mean, I still need to do a better job there. Um, I'm, I probably am not the best mindfulness person out there. I need to do a much better job there. But ideally, these types of things come from the idea of mindfulness. So for mm. me, like I mentioned when we started talking, you know, mental wellness is really important. And sometimes... I should do probably a little bit better job of taking my care of my own mental wellness, but uh, you know, you know, like I said, I've been focused on trying to you know make the make the company and the employees make sure that their mental wellness and is is and their overall wellness is is paramount to me. Hmm. Um, but do are we leaving a perception that things when we are talking about the agility that is required in in today's world and the 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 that changes innovation is going quicker day by day. Is it really a perception or is it really happening? Uh, do, do you feel like ev every generation thinks that their generation goes that things are faster than the previous generation? Is it, is it really the case or are we exaggerating and we don't really feel the, the, the reality as, uh, as it is? No, it's really the case. I mean, you can't stop time, you know? Baby boomers are retiring, are, are leaving the workforce, you know, big time. Gen Xers mm -hmm. in the next in the next 10 years, Gen Xers are going to start retiring. Right. And so if you think about it, right, the majority of the workforce is going to be Gen Z and millennials and then Gen Alpha after that. So each one of these generations has a different way of looking at life. Each generation evolves. And, mm -hmm. you know, that, that's what, and, and so because of that leadership has to evolve and you can't stop time. It's going to happen. There's nothing anybody can do to stop it. No, nothing I can do to stop mm -hmm. it. You can stop it. Nothing Elon Musk can do to stop it. There's nothing a government official can do to stop it. It's just going to happen. This natural evolution of the workplace just happens. Just like when I was, when you and I were 20 years old and we went to the workplace, you know, people said things about us in our, in our generation. Right. So this is just natural evolution of the workplace. And then the next and it's going to be, and like I mentioned, we're still probably about two years away from it being the majority of the workforce in terms of time. Hmm. Hmm. But but does it mean that uh, as a leader, we in we really must keep up with all this information with about technology, innovation, transformation? Do we really have to keep uh, to to? keep up with that or is it something that we can delegate that do like for instance i was thinking you are launching your new book about artificial intelligence i was reading the the, the, the summary and it, it, it looked like it was directed a little bit like it's kind of a, an awareness tool for leaders to understand how to use uh, artificial intelligence now as a leader do i do I have to care or do I potentially, I can delegate that understanding artificial intelligence and ask back, uh, so what is the, can we use it or not in a, or in, in our job? Or, or do we have to keep up with all these new things? 
you have to keep up with it. You don't have a choice. You, I mean, let's put it this way. You don't have to keep up with it, but if you don't keep up with it, you're going to lose your job. So if you think of it this way, when e-commerce came out, when the mobile phone revolution happened, when social media revolution happened, if you didn't, if you were the company that didn't stay on top of those things, you're going to be left behind. Think about, you know, think about Netflix. Netflix was nothing, you know, the, the, the biggest competitor, the blockbuster here in the U.S. owned everything. But they refused to adjust to the changing technological changes in the marketplace. And they hmm. got left behind, right? Think about bookstores. What happened to bookstores, right? Borders bookstores, right? Well, there's a big chain here in the U.S. called Borders Bookstores. Yep. And Borders used to, Borders was very large and they competed with Barnes & Noble before this was around the time when Amazon was launching. And the CEO came out and said, no one's going to buy a book online. This is stupid. Instead of instead of creating an e-commerce store, we're going to create more stores. Mm. And so they did that and they ended up going out of business. So <clears throat> look, you don't have like you don't have to stay on top of the technology. You don't no one's telling you to use AI. I wrote the book so my mom would understand AI. Mm. So the book is written at a very simple level. I mean, you know, I this is not an advanced AI book. This book is how do you log into ChatGPT? What is a prompt? That that's what this book is. It's for beginners. Mm. If you're an advanced user of AI, don't buy this book. It's not for you. If you're a beginner to AI, this book is for you. And, and even if you're an advanced user of AI and you have someone that doesn't get it, you think someone should learn, fine, get it for them. But ultimately, you, your choice is to use it or not use it. And if you don't use it, you're going to be left behind. I'm telling you right now. So mm -hmm. th those are your choices. In this case, in particular for a leader, so somebody who has been already working for a couple of years, he has probably heard about AI. Why would he read the book? What what would be the benefit for him to 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 go through the book? And, and by the way, this the second part of the question is that I, I saw somewhere that you went into MIT to learn about AI a couple of years ago. That, that that's correct, and I, I wanted to ask you why. <laughs> Well, I got certified in AI about 10 years ago from MIT, you yeah. know, so I just felt like AI was going to be the future back then. And so I actually have two certifications in AI from MIT. And so, uh, and to answer your question, look, again, if you're an advanced user of AI, this book is not for you. But if mm -hmm. you are a beginner to AI, if this is new to you, and to most people, it's very new. This is a great book for you. It's a very entry-level beginner guide. We talk about, you know, what is ChatGPT, how to use ChatGPT, the benefits. We talk about different types of AIs that are out there. We get into, we, there's a little bit of technical stuff in there, but just, just to understand how the technology works. You know, we get into how to do all the prompts and for the prompts, you have to be a storyteller. You mm -hmm. know, we get into the different other types of AIs that are out in the world today that, that, that are going to be important. You know, so, you know, this AI, AI world is changing. I, I guarantee you that, you know, by the time the book ships um, by on uh, uh, the book is shipping on Friday, Friday or Saturday, officially, you know, there's going to be some stuff in that book that's going to be very outdated, you know, so because it's moving so fast. And so, I mean, you know, my, my job will then to be will be then to be right, like uh, AI made simple volume two, you know what I mean? <laughs> So, but yeah, so that's, you know, if, if you're new to AI and you want to have a basic understanding, 
this is a fantastic book to do that. And I don't say it because I wrote it. I just believe it. I mean, I really believe, and I think it's what's missing. And I think, uh, I think people are going to re- are going to really like it. And I think they can use it as as a good manual on how to get into the world of AI. The one of the roles of of leaders is to encourage and create a culture where people wants to grow, like have the, develop the growth mindset where people are, are wanting to look for more information so that they, they can keep themselves also up to date with uh, technology, innovation, and so on. Uh, how do you, uh, what are the, the tools that you would recommend to a leader in order to encourage uh, organizations to become more innovative, uh, to, to be constantly looking for the latest thing and see if there is a match to be used that will give them competitive advantage. Look, I don't think, so So there's not one tool that you can say, oh, use this tool and you're gonna be, have a magic bullet and it's gonna take care of everything for you. Look, if you're, if you're the CEO, you're the leader of a team, nothing beats curiosity. Mm-hmm. So what I want you to do is be curious, not judgmental. I want you to focus on asking questions. I want you to set a time. I want you to set aside 15 minutes every day to go read about the latest on AI or any innovation that you think is important for your industry going forward. 15 minutes. That's all you need. You know, you do it and do it while you're in the bathroom. I don't care. Mm. You do it wherever you're going to do it. Just find 15 minutes a day to go do that. Set up Google alert for things that are important. Maybe artificial intelligence is important for you. Set up, set up a Google alert. Maybe cloud computing is important to you. Set up cloud computing Google alerts. Set up alerts, you know, through Google that gives you the latest of what's happening on, 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 you know, with the news cycle for that day on those different topics. So, like, so there's not one basic tool. There, there, there's hundreds of tools out there that anybody can use. You know, in the next, I would imagine, in the next six months, Microsoft is going to be releasing a product called Copilot, and mm-hmm. that product. And if anybody's interested, go go Google Microsoft Copilot. That product is essentially going to take ChatGPT technology and integrate it directly into Excel, Word, and PowerPoint. And that's going to be a game changer for those platforms. So those, so that's going to be an amazing tool to use, right? There's, uh, you know, there, there are amazing tools right now that can do translation services. There's tools out there that can create custom avatars. There's tools out there that can do websites, you know, just by typing in whatever website you want. That can do logo design. So there's just not one tool out there. So, but in order to figure that out, you have to be curious, you know, and d- don't be, and don't judge yourself and don't judge others. Just go out there and be curious, go out there and, mm. and just start, like I said, 15 minutes a day, you know, this is like mm. working out. So you know, people tell you to work out, just go, just go walk on the treadmill for 20 minutes a day. Well, this is just work, you know, work your mind for 15 minutes a day here, you know, maybe while you're eating lunch, you know, if, if you're on a conference call that you just don't need to participate in, but you have to just listen, jump on, you know, have just, you know, thumb through or scroll through some ideas on what's going on and the latest grades in your, and for what's important to you. You you, you just made me think about the, the fact, um, in order to develop curiosity, uh, I mean, you don't need to be, to, to go to a training to develop a curiosity. Curiosity is a meta skill. It's something that you learn by practicing. So you just have to, and you said it, you have to be consistent in the practice of even if it is five to 10 minutes or 15 minutes in in order to learn continuously something. And then that increases the, uh, the, 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 the encouragement, in fact, to continue. And to, whenever you, you build this habit, uh, you will be self-encouraged to continue or, and do more of that. 
So, and that is something that a lot of companies um, have been probably investing in the wrong way into training people to for, on technology, while in fact, what they need to be training or what they need to encourage is the development of curiosity on, on, on people. This is well said, Rajiv, because it, it, is a, uh, it is a clear problem for many organizations to develop this culture of, I, I want to know more of. Uh, yeah, that is definitely something. Um, tell me, in, uh, in the work that you have been, uh, in all your experience uh, um, that, you, that you have developed in the more than 25 years already, uh, can you, have you seen any a specific trend in terms of the work culture that has been developed and where leaders needs to uh, needs to develop themselves also a little bit more in order to develop better cultures uh, cultures at work have you seen any trend that has made that leaders need to adapt otherwise they will lose their uh, they will not be successful at work yeah i think I, I think i talked about it earlier my friend i think you know if you are a, a a leader who is a bottleneck leader, right, where every decision you have to make, if you're a leader where you must be the smartest person in the room, if you are a leader that doesn't want to hire the best people because you feel like you need to have control, it's fine. You might be okay for a couple of years, but long-term you're going to lose employees and you're going to be left behind. So to me, and I think it's changing in the workplace, is like I said, you have to lead from, from a place where you are focused on developing your employees. The, a leader's job is to create more leaders. That's the mm -hmm. leader's job. So you should never be the smartest person in the room. If you find yourself being the smartest person in the room, it's time to change the room. And you're not going to change yourself. So change the people who you have around you. You know, you know, take, you know, have, have the best people, have the best people you can afford in that room to help you grow your business, to take care of your employees, to take care of your customers. That's what's going to be key. And always, always, always lead from a place of gratitude and, and respect. And, you know, and then the other, and the other the five attributes I talked about of gratitude, be resilient, have empathy, accountability, and transparency. Be great. This is what you, you were mentioning before. And, and that relates to, to, if you are interested to know more about uh, about this concept of being great, definitely you should go and chase for the book, Chase Greatness, Enlightened Leadership for the Next Generation of Disruption that was published two, three years ago, three years ago, Rajiv. Is that correct? Yeah, a couple of years ago, two years ago, yes. Yes. And now, and the other thing is that we were talking about is about this need for leaders in, in to develop curiosity in others and to develop their own curiosity. Uh, a great recommendation then it is to start by something uh, uh, for the upcoming book of Rajiv that is called AI Made Simple, A Beginner's Guide to Generative uh, generative Intelligence, uh, which is something that we will all use. And a great mention about the the, um, the product that Microsoft uh, is, uh, is developing, Copilot, that is going to affect a lot I think the workplace because Excel PowerPoint is something that we are using in a recurrent basis. And to, now we are going to have AI as a copilot. So it's going to 
impact a lot in uh, our, the workplace. Rajiv, if people want to learn more or have a this chat with you to reach you out, how do they reach you out? You know, the best place is to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Okay. So connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, take a look at the book on Amazon. And um, yeah, I think, but you know, LinkedIn is the, is the best way to, is, is the best way to get a hold of me from that perspective. I will be putting your, uh, your profile link just now. And I will be putting also the link to the, the upcoming book, AI Made Simple, A Beginner's Guide to Generative Intelligence, because I think that this is a, a good book uh, if you haven't started yet learning about AI, this is the moment where to, to, to read it. Rajiv, thank you very much for your time. It was really lovely to speak to you. Really, thank you very much. Thank you, my friend. Be well. Have, have, a, a, have a great rest of your week. You too. Thank you.